Hey there, boss. This is Jeff Mendelson, host of the One Big Tip podcast. And I am so excited to announce my new Agents of Pod coaching program, where I teach you how to fast track your lead gen by having more conversations with your targeted clients, even if you have no list, audience, or paid ads. Head on over to agentsofpod.com hero, and let me show you how to be the superhero in your own business. I am also actively seeking guests for this podcast. If you know someone who is currently six figures or more in their business and they have an actionable, tangible, and measurable tip to share, please let them know about it. Just go to onebigtip.com slash guest for information on how to be a guest. I can't wait to hear from you. Let's get started. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. My name is Jeff Mendelson, and this is the One Big Tip Podcast. My guest today is Dr. Alessandra Wall. Dr. Wall is a licensed clinical psychologist and executive coach, and when she is not directly coaching her clients, she speaks about communicating your value and building social capital for success. Alessandra has made it her mission to help women in leadership show up more powerfully and own their value so they can be fulfilled and successfully create the impact they want to see in the world. To achieve this vision, she founded Noteworthy, an executive coaching, consulting, and training firm that works directly with women leaders in STEM and finance to help them articulate, plan, and build careers that are wildly successful and deeply satisfying. So this is going to be a great conversation today. I'm really excited. Alessandra, thank you so much for joining me and welcome to the show. No, it's an excellent way of starting a Monday morning. I'm very happy to be here. Thank you so much. Can you please uh, take a moment and help us fill in the blanks? Tell us a little bit about who you are and what makes you so amazing. Okay, so you covered the big pieces, right? Started life as a clinical psychologist. In my mid-30s, did what most people do, which is to realize that when you're 18 and you're deciding what you want to be when you grow up, you have no idea. Reinvented myself as a life coach, built a business that was, eh, Okay, didn't really love it. Convinced myself that it was possible to pivot again. And now I do what I do, which is what I love the most. And it is, it's the executive coaching, but really specifically working with women in finance and women in STEM, trying to help them get to those like highest levels of leadership in these male dominated fields, but which are fields as we've seen recently that really define how we live and how we progress as a society. You know, what's interesting Mm -hmm. about that is that you went both the academic route Mm -hmm. to become a clinical psychologist, but you also went more or less the certification route to be a certified life coach and to get all these other, uh, you know, like uh, extra educations in order to provide a more well-rounded service. How do you feel that having those extra certifications has helped you, especially when trying to figure out like who your ideal avatar is and how you can serve them the best? Okay, well, little secret. I didn't go beyond my PhD. (laughs) So I didn't add any extra certifications. What I did, and when most people come to me and they'll ask me, should I get a master's? Should I get a certification? Should I get a PhD? My answer for those next level degrees is always to what end, right? These are means to an end. They should not be things you get just because you think they're what's going to advance you. So if I had thought, that getting extra certification would have allowed me to do my job better, I would have gotten in a heartbeat. I've done extra training on um, experiential learning. 
and I've poured money into that. And that's allowed me to show up better when I do trainings and when I do speaking. I've poured money into learning how to market better or learning how to build a business better. And I think there's a lot of value in doing that. But I do not believe there's value in just doing something because because it's out there and because somebody else tells you you should. That's really cool that you bring that up because that was one of the things I was thinking about as well. In my world, we call them course junkies, right? Mm -hmm. These are the ones that just go and take courses, courses, courses. And then in the end, it's like, well, when are you going to put one of those courses into action? It's like, well, I just need to take one more course, right? And what happens is... Yeah. If you, you know, if you're constantly being held back by some kind of artificial fear or that fear of yourself for advancement, then great. Then you just blew five to 10 grand on a, you know, on a course and you didn't really do anything with it. You know, like why are we here? Why are we talking? How do you help people then sort of break that cycle of getting the training that, that they need or that they think that they need and then actually taking action in order to make that happen for themselves and actually do something with it? The biggest piece is something you started off with earlier. To me, it's understanding what's driving you. What is it that you're trying to achieve? So once you're clear about what that is, noteworthy in my company, we talk about it as building your impact, being clear about what you want your impact to be. Then you can start looking at what will it take for you to get there? Your first question to me, Jeff, was about avatars. How did doing all of this help me figure out what my avatar is? For me, it was the more I slowed down and asked myself what it was that I wanted to do, what I brought to the table that would allow me to do it, who I wanted to do it for, which is where I actually started, the easier it was for me to define where my skill gaps existed, what kind of support I needed. So not just me building skills, but getting people externally to help me build a better business And that, getting all that help and creating that strategic plan, that's what moves you forward, right? It's that piece of of knowing what what you need to get where you want to go. That's really interesting that you bring that up because you do need to sort of, you know, like have this end game and plan. Like you actually do need to implement it. And, you know, when you're working with executives at the level that you're working at, you know, these are already very accomplished people. Right. So, you know, we're not we're not talking about someone who started at the bottom. We're talking someone who's already 85 percent at the top. Right. And how to get them over that next hurdle or that, you know, that final hurdle, if you will, in order to achieve that fulfillment and, you know, in order to make that happen. So when you're doing that, like what can you say to someone who's already so accomplished in order to push them that much harder? Uh, twofold. So going back to what we said a second ago, a lot of it is understanding what impact you want to make. And and very specifically, I would say for executives, but for also all, all of us listening to this who are entrepreneurs and building our businesses, a lot of our careers are reactive, right? We go to school, we get out of school, we think somewhere in our teens that we know what we're going to be. We get a degree, there's a job market, we have to pay bills. And you just take opportunities as they come. You think that you're making really wise decisions about those opportunities because you have these decision points and and you're thinking through them. But really what we're doing is reactively responding to circumstances. So when you do that long enough without stopping and thinking about who am I, what is it that I need in order to be successful? This is where we leverage my background as a psychologist. Uh, What is it that I need in order to feel fulfilled, which is a different question. And how does this align with the way I'm living? Once you 
answer those questions, you can start making much better choices. So especially with my executives, oftentimes what I'll find is, yeah, you're right. They're at 85%, but a lot of them have success without fulfillment or they have success and some fulfillment, but there's this gap between who they are now in their mid to late forties, early fifties and who they were when they chose their path. You see, I mean, you've experienced this in, with business people too, right? I went through this maybe like four or five times. I think I'm on like my sixth career reinvention so far. Right. And at first I thought I was the anomaly and I was like, why do I constantly need to do this? I was sold a bill of goods that I was going to work for maybe four companies in my lifetime. And, you know, I was going to be set up and I was going to have all of this stuff ready. And I just found myself, especially, well, it's been 15 years now since I worked at my last job. But before that, I just found myself constantly on that job seeking grind because someone would piss me off for something. And then I would just start that whole cycle again, looking for another job, mm-hmm. looking for an extra 10,000 a year, looking for an extra position or, you know, being or getting the recognition that I think I should have received, but I actually didn't. Right. Yeah. And I think what happened for me was that, you know, when I finally made the decision, like I'm going to stop building other people's dreams and I'm going to start building my own. That's where the real fulfillment came in. And it was really a slap in the back of the head. Of course, with the who the hell is going to support my Starbucks habit right now, right? And who's going to pay for the diapers for my kids? Yeah, those were those were real issues, right? But at the same time, you know, it's like, yeah, like I, I, I can do this. I can produce. I don't need another company in order to make that happen. And I think a lot of your people as well would be like, yes, I am already very accomplished, you know, and I have the runway that I can go out and build something else. I just need a little bit more coaching. And I think that everyone yeah. needs coaching, right? Even top performers need coaches, right? I have a coach. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? Right. You know, and, and that's really one of the things, you know, where people are like, okay, well, if she has a coach, then yeah, maybe I can hire her as a, you know, and not to be ashamed of it. Right. Not to be ashamed, like, uh, you know, to, to, to realize that there are some things that you are deficient in, or maybe you just need that little bit of help or, you know, something that you can bounce, you know, an idea off of, because when we create these hermetically sealed environments, meaning like my man cave here and your little office, like if you don't have someone to really bounce it off of, you know, then it can be pretty isolating, right? We don't have the water cooler anymore, right? Yeah. Well, and beyond that, right, there's everything you just said, plus sometimes you need, often we need people to help us walk through our fears. As a psychologist, one of the things I realized early on is so many of our choices in life are dictated by our fears. We, sometimes our fears make us do things that that we would have never considered doing. More often our fears hold us back. So we hold on to these jobs that are really successful where we're miserable because we're so scared of giving up what we've achieved or we're so scared that we won't be able to be successful in another space or we're, you know, we're scared that our skill set, you said you you did four or five transformations. I've done three at this point that our skill set won't translate to another space. So one of the places where my coach has been instrumental for me, and I am able to provide this for my clients too. I know you can do this for your clients too, right? It's taking that step back and looking at what do we have here? What's working? What's not working? Where do we need to go? Let's set up a process. Let me motivate you to actually follow through on that process when everything else in your life is coming in to distract you. And we do a lot of work over like, Ugh, I'm having a day today. Here's that like self-limiting belief that's kicking in and I'm doubting myself. I know it's not true. Logically, I've argued through this in my 20s, 
but it's still there and you need somebody to help you through it. So it's that strategic support and also that like that push where it's like you don't get to be scared and not do what you need to do. I love it. I love it. Thank you so much for sharing that. I want to segue into your one big tip. And I think this is really poignant in that, you know, talking about your passion. And I think that really fits into what we're doing here because a lot of people sort of, you know, shelve their passion, you know, in order to fulfill, you know, what you need to get that paycheck or what you need in order to, you know, just to go through the rest of the motions, you know, that you have to. Talk to us a little bit about why this is so important because, you know, like I've heard on both sides, you know, like, yeah, passion is, doesn't get the bills paid. It doesn't. Right? But at the same time, if you totally ignore it or you, you just push it off to the side, you know, well, that's just a recipe for being miserable anyways, right? So how do you help people balance that? Like, where, where does all that come from? Okay, so here's my one big tip. When you're asked to talk about yourself, which is more often than you think, right? So you're not just asked to talk about yourself at networking events or when you're interviewing for a job or when you have the chance of, of being a guest on a podcast, you're constantly being asked to talk about yourself. If you're working in the corporate world, Every time somebody gives you an opportunity to take on a project or to decline a project, every time you step into a meeting, every time you get introduced to a new colleague or partner, those are opportunities to talk about yourself. For those of us who run our own businesses, we're constantly talking about ourselves on our websites, in our posts, in our conversations, when we're having sales calls. What a lot of us are taught, regardless of whether you're in the corporate or the entrepreneurial phase is to come up with an elevator pitch, a 30 second articulation of the impact you're going to make. And on paper, elevator pitches look beautiful. They sound so good. And then you come into a meeting or you come into a networking event and somebody says something like, well, tell me a little bit more about you. And you try to like spew that elevator pitch out and it, it gets garbled. Not only that, but for most of us, it feels really, really uncomfortable. I work with women primarily, as I've said before, and one of the things we know about women is the number one factor associated with advancement for women is building more visibility. Building visibility is really difficult when you were taught from the time you're a little girl that you have to be really humble and you can't talk about yourself. So the easiest way to break past that that I found, which I then realized I totally apply in my business world, is not to do an elevator pitch, but it's to really focus on what you love doing that you excel at. So most of us, when we're asked to talk about what we do or what we bring to the table, we list all the things and then we become boring. It's a checklist. Dishing the elevator pitch and leading with passion is about starting and thinking, what is it? Step one is just take a minute to think about what do I do that I'm really good at that I love doing? And I ask my clients to also think about what is it that you're really good at that's soul crushing and make sure you never, ever articulate that. What are you good at that is soul crushing? Do you have, yeah, uh, do you have a good example of that? Uh, this yeah, like I'm really good at accounting. I'm really, really good at accounting. My accountant used to laugh at me because I'd keep my business books down to the cent. And I hate it. I'm also really good at cleaning. Like my mom taught us when we were small all hell breaks loose, you will be an excellent cleaning lady. Like this is a skill set you will have. I don't want to spend my days doing those things. I'm good at IT. Oh my goodness, that makes me want to strangle people when we have IT issues at home. But I am the IT person. I'm good at fixing those things. It's soul crushing. That I love is like, I love connecting with people. I love problem solving. And let me give you an example of this passion thing. Sure. I had to talk about that skill, problem solving. 
I could come in and somebody say, well, tell me why, why we should hire you. What do you bring to the table? And I could say, well, you know, one of my top skills, which I can't do as a woman because nobody likes a woman saying one of my top skills. But if I were bold, I could say one of my top skills is I'm really good at problem solving. I'm good at seeing the, the bigger picture and connecting the dots. And it's compelling enough. But here's what's more compelling. A, I love problem solving, which is true. B, I love zombie apocalypse movies. So I might start off and when somebody says, well, tell us a little bit about you. I'm like, what you need to know about me is I love all things zombie apocalypse. I'm so bummed that The Walking Dead is over and so excited that they have spinoffs. I've read World War C. If there's an apocalypse I'm story, I'm reading it. But here's the thing. I'm not so much interested in the zombie piece as I am interested in seeing what people do to survive and then thrive in situations where they have limited resources, but the will to move on. And the reality is that's a lot of what I do in my work with women. They exist in systems that were not built by them nor for them. They have limited resources. They have roadblocks and um, marauders coming to get them. And they need to figure out how to use what they have, not just to survive, but to really thrive. And then I can go into an explanation much more technical about how I do that. But to me, like this is so much more exciting, which means my face lights up and there's this whole neurochemistry that happens when I get excited, that gets you excited, that makes me more memorable to you. That is so much better than the way I messed up being asked, what, what do I do yesterday? Right. Cause my first thing it was, well, yeah, I'm a, I have a digital marketing agency and I stopped. Right. Mm -hmm. And like, I realized like about two seconds later, like, you know, Hey Jeff, you know, he just gave you the stage and you stopped. Right. And it was late in the day. I just wasn't feeling it. I know I messed up that opportunity to, you know, like to talk to this guy and get him a little bit more excited, but I love this tip about just being able to bring in something that is more relatable and then bringing it back to what your real passion is. Right. I love helping businesses make money on the internet, you know, hands down. That's exactly what I do. And, you know, sometimes I'll talk about the sushi restaurant we didn't go to because they were not on Google Maps at the exact moment that I was looking for it. Or sometimes it would be about being found on the Internet. You know, if someone types in, if someone types in Alessandra Waller, someone types in Jeff Mendelson and nobody can find it. Well, yeah, that's a huge problem because that's like your personal branding. You know, you have to take care of that. You have to be able to put out enough content, especially if you have a more general name, like an Andrew Smith, right? You know, how many Mm -hmm. Andrew Smiths are are there in the world? And what happens is that you really need to think about, okay, how am I going to make this interesting? And I think very succinctly, you brought that, you brought that point home is that, you know, by bringing it in with something that people can understand and relate to, and then circle it back to, well, here's the practical application of that, Boom. Instant connection. I love zombie movies too. Let's nerd out about that. You know, it's like, you know, like I just watched World War Z this weekend, you know, coincidentally. Yeah, it's it's, it's streaming on Netflix right now, huh? Mm -hmm. I, can I add one thing to this? Sure. So I, I work with women in, in the finance space or engineers, scientists, and a lot of times they'll go, but can I do that in a really serious interview? And the answer is, oh, hell yeah. They're different. You just need to think about, adapt the stories. If you start with what we talked about, is first define, make it three. Three is a good number. Three skill sets that you have that you 
love doing. This is what you want to be known for. It's what you want to be hired for. It's what you want to spend your days doing. Then start to identify what kind of impact you can make with that skill. Because I'm good at building rapport, I can easily connect with people. I can adapt my presentations or my to what you need because I'm good at solving problems. I can do whatever. You can even look at tangible results you've achieved in your business, right? To, to add some help. The reason you start with the things you love is you do become passionate. Even if I give a boring introduction, it's stuff I love doing. And neurochemically, my brain, when I talk about stuff that I'm passionate about, dumps dopamine with a sense of reward. It dumps serotonin, which makes me feel happy. It dumps neuropeptides, which helps me calm down. And when you watch me do that, because you have mirror neurons in your brain, your brain starts to dump dopamine, serotonin, neuropeptides, which means you feel more relaxed. You feel kind of happier around me. The dopamine makes the experience rewarding, but more than that, dopamine's a sticky neurotransmitter. We remember things better that make us produce dopamine. So I'm more memorable. And let's say I'm interviewing. Let's say somebody's talking to 15 different coaches to find the right one. They might not remember my name, but they'll be like, who was the zombie one? That zombie one. Oh, it was Alessandra. I'm terrible with names, but I'm great with stories, right? So that's the process. That's, that's the one big tip. Like you don't care whether you're an entrepreneur or a professional, like in the corporate world, the process works. I love it. Alessandra, thank you so much for sharing that. It's not what you tell them. It's the way you made them feel. And it's so poignant and it's so, you know, it's just so there and, you know, and it works each and every time. I think everyone needs to practice that. So thank you so much for sharing that. Can you please let everyone know how they can learn more about your company and how they can reach out to you directly? Sure. So the best way to get in touch with me is via LinkedIn and it's uh, Dr. Alessandra Wall, one L, two S's. All the information is here. Best way, hands down. And the second best way is my website, which is noteworthyinc.co. So noteworthyinc.co. Amazing. Alessandra, thank you for joining me today. This has been such an enjoyable conversation, and I really appreciate you breaking down these concepts for us. Thanks, Jeff. It was wonderful. Thank you so much for listening to the One Big Tip podcast. If you're a six to eight figure entrepreneur, business coach, or speaker who would like to be on this show, we need to talk. The audience for this podcast is hungry for experts and professionals who want to share their knowledge with this world. So if you're ready to share your actionable and measurable one big tip, please go to onebigtip.com guest and let's get your story out there. I am also crazy excited to announce my new Agents of Pod coaching program. With this program, I show busy entrepreneurs the strategies that I use to have warm conversations with my dream clients, keep my calendar book solid, and consistently have potential clients at the ready, all anxiously waiting to speak with me every single week. Head on over to agentsofpod.com hero and let me show you how to be the superhero in your business today. Lastly, I have a huge ask for you. Could you please share this with your audience on social media? The stories and connections that I make on this podcast have helped thousands of people, sometimes in the most profound ways. And you never know if your small action today will be the one that kickstarts your friend, a family member, or even yourself into taking massive action and starting the next multi-million dollar business. It'll be your way of just paying it forward. My name is Jeff Mendelson. You can find me on all the major social channels like LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook. 
Thank you so much for listening.